Proverbs 5.17 Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. As always, feel free to pause and think about scripture, or any message for that matter, to attempt to discern what it means. What is resentment? How is it destructive? How is it developed? And what is God's solution? In many of my podcasts, I use both the Bible, New King James Version, mostly, and the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe these materials cooperate and work together very well in spiritual formation. In the book Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 64, it says, Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. Everyone struggles with resentments. We all get them and we all suffer with them. But what are they? According to Wikipedia, resentment, also called ranklement or bitterness, is a complex, multi-layered emotion that has been described as a mixture of disappointment, disgust, anger, and fear. Two points to take away from this definition. First, resentment is a complicated emotion. Second, resentment is also called bitterness, and bitterness is mentioned in the Bible. Because resentment is a complex, multi-layered emotion, it cannot easily be defined. It is a subjective experience. Resentment is an uncomfortable feeling we experience in various situations. It involves stress and disappointment. Here are some common situations where we can experience resentments. We can experience resentments in traffic, long lines, or other forms of delays, failures at school, work, or sports, health issues, accidents, loss of money, betrayal, car problems, taxes, politics, chores, and even the weather. Anything that gets in our way, slows us down, or interferes with what we want can create stress, disappointment, irritation, bitterness, or anger. All such things can involve resentment. We might complain or blame inwardly or outwardly. We can become fault finders and get stuck thinking about wrongs. Resentment and bitterness can consume us as long as we continue to keep our minds going with it. Focusing upon the wrongs in the world or ourselves can bring us and others down. Resentment is a mental attitude and a behavior. Like all thinking behavior, it can be habit-forming. Blaming and fault-finding can involve believing reality should be different than the way it is. We can feel offended by facts. When the terms of life are not turning out the way we expected, we can end up pointing the finger at the terms in life and blame them for being wrong. It was our faith or belief that is an error. Wikipedia.com says this about cognitive bias. Individuals create their own subjective reality from their perception of the input. An individual's construction of reality, not the objective input, may dictate their behavior in the world. Because resentment or bitterness is a subjective experience, we each define it a bit differently. A resentment experience can make us defensive, impatient, or intolerant. Our thoughts and words can become harsh 
and offensive. Our reaction can involve a raised voice, quicker responses, increased heart rate, or higher anxiety. This can produce an adrenaline rush. It can involve varying levels of anger or even hate. We can experience wrath, nightmares, or even grinding our teeth. It can lead to intense violence and physical altercations. It can begin slowly and progress over time. Some of us can carry self-resentment. I remember a movie scene where a woman was losing control of her life and she began to break down and cry. She became angry with her tears and began to slap herself, seemingly to regain self-control. For me, it was a powerful scene. Emotions can be interpreted as weak. This perception of emotions being weak seems to be in disagreement with psychology, social sciences, and the Bible. Good health involves a good connection with our feelings and a way of thinking that promotes compassion, forgiveness, mercy, love, patience, peace, truth, and justice. Fear of facts and fear of emotion just doesn't fit. I experienced ridicule from peers growing up wherever I showed that I cared. I trained myself to hide my feelings. It has been and still is a struggle within myself to bring love, gentleness, patience, and compassion. It takes a strong, concentrated effort to hold back old training and simply be gentle. It takes time and regular practice for it to become more normalized. It has been the same process to be caring with myself and my own thinking. At first, self-compliments or self-care seemed ridiculous. Over time, with patience, I slowly began to see the good in it. The bottom line is that my heart and mind need to be practicing God's good and righteous character. I must inwardly be growing my thoughts and sensations to be more in line with God's ways. This is abiding in God. Resentment, condemnation, impatience, anger, and hate are destructive spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and socially. We can also beat ourselves with thoughts or words like stupid, dumb, weak, idiot, etc. We can punish ourselves with the idea that it will help us try harder. It might even work to improve our performance, but it will not improve our hearts and inward spiritual condition. It will not grow us with the love and peace. Such self-condemnation goes against Jesus' teaching. A good concordance study to help with transformation can involve reading passages with the words strong or strength. It is very important to inwardly realize the difference between feeling guilty about doing something wrong and an active thinking behavior involving self-condemnation. Self-condemnation is an unhealthy and destructive behavior. It can be a learned habit that is not easy to break. We can break it through relearning and new practices. In my podcast, I share about the need for healthy grieving and how it helped me with anger. Repressing hurt may lead to further problems. Please keep listening. It takes time to put the pieces together. It also takes new practices and experiences. Experience is always the best way to learn. Since grieving is a natural process we all face, it can be helpful to learn more about it. Whether we participate in self-resentment, resentment at others, or life situations, the end result is spiritual damage. Although the Bible does not use the word resentment, 
that does use other words like bitterness. Remember, for the Wikipedia definition earlier, resentment is also called bitterness. Proverbs 14.10 The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Resentments can create relationship problems. Being around angry people can feel uncomfortable. Hearing others complain, blame, and fault find can bring us down. It can challenge our love and tolerance. Complainers and blamers can be referred to as joy killers. This does not mean we should avoid identifying problems. Not at all. We must understand problems and identify solutions. When we see a problem, when we see a problem, we shift our thinking to find a solution. This is often healthy. What can be unhealthy is identifying problems and doing nothing to correct them. Acts 8.23 For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity. There is a saying that having a resentment is like swallowing poison and waiting for the other person to die. When we become bitter towards someone, we inwardly participate with thoughts that are harmful to ourselves. This thinking will grow discomfort inwardly. As a result, we will suffer and others around us will also feel uncomfortable. The Bible uses different words to describe how resentment thinking is destructive. Here are some words the Bible uses. Wrath, grudge, holding against, oppose, turn from, bitter, hatred, hate, hating, and more. We can leave things because of resentments. We can leave jobs, groups, churches, or even marriages. And if we decide to stay, we can leave emotionally. We can end sincerity, sincere interest, or care. It can be difficult to give sincere love in situations where we feel offended or bitter. This bitterness can make us miserable. It can make us lonely. Some of us may withdraw from society little by little until we find ourselves alone most of the time. Living with resentment or bitterness can become very uncomfortable. We may look for ways to escape such discomfort. We can seek out physical pleasures through sex, gambling, or food. We may explore alcohol or drugs to kill the pain. All these methods can lead to an addiction and even more problems. There is a song called Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot. Let's listen carefully to these lyrics. Sometimes I think it's a shame when I get feeling better when I'm feeling no pain. I used to seek intoxication to fill the emptiness and loneliness my faith brought. My beliefs, habits, learnings, attitudes, and actions brought misery. Eventually, this covering up the pain reached its limits. The behavior of covering up the pain only enhanced and deepened the pain even more. Resentful thinking can tell me I don't need anyone. Resentment thinking can convince me to avoid people. It sabotages godly good. I can tell myself, love is stupid and for the weak. Resentment thinking is destructive. Repeating this point is important because the habitual way of thinking repeats its own ideas that go against the grace of God. Therefore, we will need to repeat godly good thinking to overtake it. Resentment can create stress at high levels, which can lead to many physical problems within our bodies. I took a health psychology class years ago and read a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. It digs into the physical effects of stress. It can be helpful to learn how resentment, bitterness, and stress can harm our bodies. The more we learn about it and get convinced about it, the more we can believe it to be true. 
the more we believe how resentments are dangerous, and more likely we are to do something about it. There is a process of learning how things work called reverse engineering. We can look closely at the parts of something through taking it apart to learn more how it works. This is precisely how we can learn about our own inward spiritual condition. Our spiritual condition is a result from our faith. Our faith results from our beliefs, and our beliefs are heavily influenced by our choices and what we convince ourselves to be of importance. Ultimately, we choose where to go, who to associate with, what to read, what to watch, and what to do. It is crucially important to examine ourselves, our thoughts, and how we convince ourselves into action. Through a regular practice of examining our thoughts, we can learn where we are opinionated, drawing assumptions, having expectations, complaining, fault-finding, avoiding facts, etc. We can reflect upon this at different points during each day. Correcting our thoughts, beliefs, or faith will require writing them with God. This is one giant step to abide more in God. We can do it. We can abide our thinking to gradually improve to be more in line with God. Let's look briefly at how resentments toward others can be acted out. Then let's look at how the Bible instructs Christians to think and behave. First, we can withhold doing good to others. When we perceive someone to do us wrong, we can then choose out of resentment to avoid helping them. We might think they don't deserve it. But what does Jesus say? Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Remember though, the Bible's meaning of the word good can be very different than how we understand it. Let's learn the differences. Another way of withholding good is using the silent treatment. This is simply being non-responsive, ignoring somebody. There is currently a trendy name for this called ghosting. Proverbs 3.27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Although at times it can be good to avoid destructive and closed-minded individuals, we are to see how we can apply God's good in all situations. So we are led by love instead of resentment. The good that we do, essentially, is to bring peace and love. Here is another way resentments can be acted out. We can speak or think with condescension. We can use condescending words, putting other people down, thinking lowly of others. Romans 12.3 For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If we are thinking lowly of others, how stupid they are, how slow or weak or dull, then we are likely not thinking how we might be able to help them. Even if others are being dull or practicing sloth, we can humble ourselves and set our minds to see how we might be able to help them spiritually. Usually this means we're doing some kind of demonstration and sharing from experience, understanding where they are with empathy and being with them where they're at to help them move a little better with God. 
If they don't want to grow, improve, or change, we can move on to find someone else who might desire to grow, who might want God, be ready to change. It will do no one any good to spend our time focusing on problems that will not have solutions. Another way that we can act out resentments is speaking evil or spreading mean gossip, talking trash. Matthew 12:37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The attitude we have outwardly toward others can also be the attitude we have inwardly toward ourselves, and vice versa. With inward evaluation, we can learn by what heart, by what thinking, we are applying to ourselves and to others. We can discover the nature of our words. Are we trying to bring others down, ourselves down? Are we belittling others or ourselves? Or are we trying to be helpful with God's good, lifting, encouraging? We ought to check our motivation. Another way we can act out resentments is just writing people off entirely. We can close ourselves, our minds, towards other people. Luke 17.3 Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Closed-mindedness is a problem. If we close ourselves off to somebody else because of something they said or did, it's closed-mindedness. It is not keeping ourselves clay to the potter. To be ready to act upon God's instruction. We're not discerning and opening ourselves up for an opportunity to help someone because of something they said or did. This can blind us from the opportunity of helpfulness. We are to keep our minds open to God even when something seems helpless or hopeless. We can keep our mind open to possibilities. Matthew 19:26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Again, discernment will be necessary for spiritual good. Every situation has its unique context. This is why legalism can be weak. If we go to God in every situation with a mind of clay to serve God, we will not write anyone off entirely. We will take each day for what it is on that day. Everyone has a bad day. And sometimes the next day we're different. God is forgiving and compassionate. Miraculous things can happen. When someone sincerely repents with contrition, God forgives. People can change and people do change. None of us will be perfect. Thinking we can be perfect is imperfect. Saying we can't be perfect as reason to reduce our efforts is missing the mark. Inwardly, we can think how to improve with God or how not to. Our minds are made to make mistakes. We have opportunities that exist to make corrections. We will need to choose shifting ourselves toward the opportunities. This shifting will be an inward experience and a new way of thinking and acting. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It is the self-reliance upon our flawed minds that can set us up for resentments and many other forms of spiritual disease. Relying more upon our own understanding for choices on how to think and behave is dangerous. In order for our minds to grow, we will need a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset. That means we must become less reliant upon our own understanding and current beliefs or faith. 
To grow, improve, and change our thinking, we will need to see how our thinking can be better. We will need to situate our thinking to accept something new and different into our beliefs. As a result from a new and improved faith, we will see ourselves, life, and God differently. If we seek to keep it the same, we will likely be maintaining a fixed mindset. It is through the lies of a fixed mindset that we believe we are stuck and cannot change. Condoning a fixed mindset behavior is spiritually dangerous. It happens individually and it happens in groups, both large and small. In order to improve spiritually, we will need to trust God more than ourselves. We will need to practice God's good when we don't want to, when it's inconvenient and uncomfortable. We will need to do it when it's socially awkward and at the risk of others' disapproval. We will need to forgive when we don't believe it's deserved. At times, God's ways will be counter to our own. Job 24.13 There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways nor abide in its paths. Abiding in God is to make choices others don't. We will need to choose to think in ways others won't. 1 John 2.6 He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Restoration of our inward condition involves what Jean Piaget describes as the accommodation of knowledge. Basically, it means the information changes how we understand the world and ourselves. Our being is changed because we have taken it in wholeheartedly and personally as something true and real to think and act with. We will act by our faith. Our faith will produce action. This is accommodation. We can accommodate our understanding of God's peace, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, truth, justice, and love. If we accommodate these things, it is part of us. God's peace will be part of our thinking and our actions. Accommodation of God's character is the essence of building God's righteousness, goodness, and grace. This kind of change can require us seeing how it works. It's one thing to read or hear about forgiveness, and it's an entirely different thing to do it with truth, sincerity, and readiness, especially if it's someone that we have a resentment towards, someone who has hurt us. The giving ourselves over to it, like clay to the potter, can change us. I believe in order to honestly and sincerely accommodate an inward attitude of forgiveness is to understand it, see the good in it, experience it, and then want to do it more. Knowing it is living by it, and we can live by it because we know it. I began to practice this forgiveness, and with each occurrence I was provided an opportunity to learn. I did have to take time to think about it, to think about the experience. I needed to ponder the experience with spiritual thinking. Most importantly, I needed to situate my being to be present in the experience wholeheartedly with my thinking and spiritual attention. 1 John 4, 7-8 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I needed to know why. Why does God want me to forgive others? How can that be good? And because I'm full of self-seeking, I need to understand 
how it can be good for me. In order for me to understand forgiveness, I needed to do it. I needed to see the results with my own eyes. My disbelieving mind gets in the way. As I give myself over to the experience, I get to witness it. Seeing is believing, right? And through the process, I experience sensations within me that are indescribable. I had to apply extra strength and courage in order to forgive. Again, I can't really describe this very well. It's like the expression, you had to be there. At first, much of my being was saying, no, don't do it. While the little part of me, the good part, was saying, you need this. It will be good for you. It's like being around 10 friends when 9 of them are going somewhere I want to go, but one is pointing out how it's not a good idea. There are always mixed messages within my mind and some prompting me away from God's will. There are justifications to stay in resentment and reasons to be angry. This is where self-discipline comes in, with discernment. I need to take such thinking to God and discern carefully which thoughts to agree with. I need to choose which prompts to abide in. The Bible is clear that I am to follow the path toward love and peace. Am I going to rely on my own understanding, or am I going to see how God's instructions are good through experience? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Test all things, hold fast what is good. This testing is also used in the scientific method, so it's important to get into testing our beliefs, our thoughts, and see what holds and what doesn't. This means I need to be the test sample. I need to give myself over to it. The results in me are what I look for. I needed to give myself over to God's ways and see what happens in me. Then I could compare the results with my old ways. The old results of acting the way I used to. But like all testing, I needed to live by God's ways for a while to really see the results. This means perseverance and endurance, continuance. Being honest or kind one day just doesn't do it. Perhaps I might see some good in it, but to see far better results, I needed to go the long haul. Someone once shared an idea with me that if I wanted something significant to happen, I need to do something significant to get it. The significant thing I needed to do was to choose God over and over continuously and see what good develops. Not just choose God for 30 seconds in one day or 15 minutes, but to choose to abide increasingly God's first and great command, which involves my all. I needed to understand how this God stuff worked in real life. I knew I wasn't going to know by merely reading books or relying upon groups. I knew I needed to take action and give myself over to the process. So I put my big boy pants on and did it. It required strength and courage. As I went to do it, I felt like standing before a cliff making a decision to jump. Giving myself over to do something I don't want to do requires an ability to deny myself. My understanding tells me not to do it, and I have to set that aside and do it anyway. During one winter retreat with a youth group, someone had an idea it would be good to jump into a pool that was half frozen. I thought it was a dumb idea, but when in Rome, do what the Romans do. I watched the youth leader break the ice in the shallow end for some students as I went to the deeper end of the pool. I stood on the diving board, already freezing with every part of my being, saying this is a dumb idea. 
but I knew the kids would love it. Immediately, following my cannonball, my whole body was numb. It was literally like a dentist shot my entire body with Novocaine. There have been many situations over the years where I am faced with a choice to act, to abide in Christ or not. It is always an inward challenge and struggle because of my faith. My beliefs are mixed. I don't know it enough to trust it. So oftentimes it is like a test. I'm testing because it hasn't been proven enough to me to be entirely convinced. If it had been proven, there wouldn't be such a mixed understanding within me. In the early stages, the messages contrary to godly action are abundant and dominant. However, through testing and trials and experience, I learn and see the good. It becomes more evident as my witnessing grows. Turning toward God good is oftentimes turning away from someone or something else. For me, it has involved turning away from people, a job, a career, myself, family, and sometimes my own wife. Sometimes others join me. Sometimes they simply accept my differences. Some think I'm foolish. Sometimes I'm wrong and apologize. Standing up for what we think is right is important and valuable. Most of the time, standing up for God is standing against my own thinking. Obviously, going through life just trying to fit in is missing the mark. We all miss the mark and will continue to do so, yet only those who are aiming to make corrections will be able to do it. To make corrections, we must see the corrective actions. We must do differently to correct. Forgiveness is a corrective action. Each one of us will need to learn our own signs and symptoms of resentment. For me, I realize something is wrong when I'm feeling a little bit edgy. My tolerance is low, my patience is low, and I just don't want to be around people. I often notice this edginess and begin with looking inwardly. I ask myself, self, what is going on? It's not really the question that is important. It's the fact that I'm examining myself. I'm looking inwardly about what's happening. I've learned it's not really that important to identify the problem. Identifying problems are not always helpful. Sometimes I'll misdiagnose and come to wrong conclusions. What's important is a solution. I need to humble myself to get right with God. I need to think and feel God's peace, and I need to understand what kind of thinking is blocking that peace. I need God's peace and love. I need to breathe it in. Humility and setting my mind toward the beauty in the world helps me to refocus. I need to switch from bitter self-thinking to a simple appreciation of life and other people. Sometimes my mind can get set upon grandiose ideas and I just need to come back down to earth. I will often look out my window at trees, squirrels, butterflies, and birds and see that I am part of that very simple system of life. I remind myself the only thing I need to do is to be right with God. God can get the rest. Once I can get my mind embracing God's peace and beauty, I can sense peace coming in. I can relax. I can calm down. This process took a long time for me to develop. Please listen to more podcasts to understand how it is indeed a process. I need to situate my thinking to stop fighting, complaining, fault-finding, and insisting how things should be my way or different than what it really is. I need to accept the facts. I need to accept life on life's terms. 
I need to accept that all is right with the world and myself as I give myself to God, that God is really all I need, that peace, that love. I awaken to the understanding that God's love and peace is powerful and exactly what I need. This inward condition is the key to growing spiritually. Forgiveness is part of the puzzle. However, forgiveness without love will miss the mark. If I forgive one person but still harbor bitterness, I am still in resentment. Forgiveness is a state of being, not merely words to think or say. To be in a state of forgiveness involves forgiving others, the world, myself, anything and everything. When I completely abandon myself to God, I'm abandoning my own ideas, preferences, wants, and desires. I'm abandoning my expectations and demands about how the world should be. Imperfectly practicing this abandonment little by little has been the way I have grown more with God's grace. Forgiveness is quantified and progressive. Resentments are always within me, somewhere, beyond my understanding. I've come to forgive many people's situations and things in my life, but the path of resentment is long and deep. My mind can fool me to think all is right with the world one minute, and then in the very next minute, some new information, some new facts come to my attention, and I get disappointed. Sometimes, ignorance is bliss. Also, I can have days where everything seems wrong in the world, but I know through experience that too shall pass. My perception about life and things sets me up for an emotional experience. That emotional experience can sometimes distort my perception about life. It can be easy to get caught up in emotions and come to erroneous conclusions. I've learned it's always best to bring my thoughts to God and form them with God's ways that peace, love, patience, forgiveness, and mercy. I, of course, do this imperfectly. Forgiveness, much of the time, is simply bringing peace inwardly. I humble myself. I pray for guidance, strength, and serenity. Being in this spiritual state of forgiveness is making myself clay for the potter. I am recognizing character, which hardens my heart like pride and self-seeking, loosening my grip upon it, and then reaching out to cling to God's goodness of love and peace. We need to one way or another get into God's righteousness with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. This is the way. It always has been the way to abide in God and probably will always be. We can redirect our thoughts, words, attitude, and actions to forgive, be patient, and have mercy. We can improve. We can do it better. We have to choose it. We can learn to have more compassion. Little by little each day, we can progress and abide in God more and more. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Mm -hmm.